You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 95 for Christmas Day, Monday the 25th of December 2017. And I hope you're having a wonderful day if you celebrate Christmas. Now, my guest today is Patrick Sheriff, who worked in newspapers of the US, UK and Japan for 13 years. He's currently working on his third Hannah Walker novel in between writing and illustrating textbooks for non-native speakers of English. Patrick lives in Japan with his wife and two daughters, where he writes an eclectic mix of fiction and non-fiction books. He's even produced an adult colouring book celebrating the triumph of Leicester City Football Club in winning the English Premiership last year. Patrick edited two anthologies about the Japan earthquake, tsunami and nuclear meltdown and has written a diary of a Japanese general election. Patrick is a listener to this podcast too, so it was great to chat and we had a perfect line where we connected via Skype between Carlisle and Japan. So I'm going to start with a surprise, and that surprise is, is that you're the Christmas Day episode of self <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, so, dearie me. So, so no pressure. You are our stocking filler for the day, so to speak. So. <laughs> so, oh, dear. You must have had some terrible cancellations if you, if you put me in there. Oh, well, I'll try my best to be festive then. Well, we've, we've, we've crossed to Japan now. Uh, this, is, this is the wonder of the internet, isn't it? Because you and I first connected on Twitter, and then, as I always do, I stalk people in a nice way, you understand. When I see people are authors, I have a little stalk and see what they're up to. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, we, we need to talk because you're doing so many uh, interesting things. And so the first question I've got to ask you is, how, how, how come you're in Japan, an Englishman in Japan? Uh, yes, I got the Sting uh, song all messed up. I'm an Englishman in Abiko. Um, my wife is Japanese, and um, I met my wife uh, out in America, actually. Uh, after college, I, uh, I was working uh, in a local newspaper in Arkansas, of all places, and uh, and I met uh, uh, my wife, uh, who is Japanese, and we sort of bonded as two foreigners in a strange land. <laughs> Arkansas is quite a strange land, um, and it, it just went from there. So you know, so I just sort of followed her out to Japan. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a long and uh, involved story, but that's basically that's the in a nutshell. I. Uh, I followed a woman out here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've the way, isn't it? But, but you've got—you seem to have this uh, this wanderlust. You know, you've been you've been in the states. You started in the UK. You're in Japan. Are are you a kind of traveller? Do you like to move around? Um, uh, not really. I mean, I, I suppose I'd always had a dream to be a, a foreign correspondent, um, but uh, I sort of did it in a sort of do-it-yourself way. So I went out to America and I got a job uh, in newspapers, in a local newspaper, the Log Cabin Democrat in uh, Conway, Arkansas, writing obituaries and uh, collecting um, breakfasts from McDonald's for the, uh, for the proper journalists. And um, <laughs> that's how I started, uh, you know, when I, as a, as, when I was 22 years old. And um, just by chance, you know, Bill Clinton was elected and suddenly Arkansas was on the map. Um, and that's, you know, it's been the story of my life. I've just sort of done my own thing, but somehow have made it work. Uh, <laughs> well, well, well done on that. I mean, that's yeah, great, you. isn't it? <laughs> now, um, as a journalist, it's, it's amazing how many people I speak to, uh, on this podcast who are former journalists. I include, include myself in that. Yeah. Is that where the kind of writing came from? It's it, the chicken and egg situation. <laughs> were you writing before you were a journalist or were you a journalist and that set you off writing? Um, I think I'd always wanted to be a writer or well, that it sounds, I can't really believe that, that, that I'm saying that, but I think that's true. I, I, the few times that I got praised in school was for my English essays and usually my satirical takes on things. I uh, usually got a wry smile from the teacher, and that was about the best thing I did in school. So I'd always thought, well, I'm quite good at writing. And, and I'd never thought that you could make a living uh, writing uh, fiction or writing what you wanted to write. So I thought, well, how do you make a living? Oh, it's got to be journalism. So so that that, that was the direction I went in. Um, and I, I did that for 13 years, basically, working in newspapers uh, until 2007. Um, and then we came came back to Japan um, 
and uh, started our own business. Uh, I had been in um, uh, the Derby Evening Telegraph uh, working there um, as a sub-editor. That was my last job in proper journalism. Um, and I could see the writing was on the wall, really, about the, uh, the position of uh, local newspapers. Um, you know, you'd, you'd go into work and suddenly a whole department had disappeared. So, where's, where's all the ad salespeople? Oh, they've all been moved to Sheffield. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, and, and I thought, well, what can I do? Um, and uh, just, I thought, well, I, I should take advantage of what I've got. And what I've got is a sort of an international marriage. And so um, I thought, well, what can I do in Japan? I could teach English. And I thought, well, I have, I have taught English before in Japan in Berlin. And I thought, I don't want to go. I don't want to do that again, working for somebody else. Uh, so then we thought, well, why don't we teach together? So uh, me and the wife started our own English school from our front room uh, in a place called Abiko, which is just on the outskirts of Tokyo. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. That's how I make my uh, living, basically. Uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I was making my living, but, you know, t- teaching English is okay, but my passion is for writing. So I, I was always had one eye out on, you know, I, I thought journalism uh, I might get back into journalism or do some writing or something. Um, but then uh, when the uh, self-publishing happened, I thought, you know what? I, I want to do this myself. I've got all the basic skills um, and the interest, uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and I've got a bit of an arsy personality. I thought, well, I, I want to do this myself. So <laughs> the, the interesting thing with you being in papers, in, in many ways, the, the demise of the papers, and it's still ongoing, of course, is a yep. little bit like the demise of, of traditional publishing. And of course, I, I, I doubt that any of them will end with nothing. I think we'll still have uh, papers. I just think there's going to be a huge amount of rationalization, as there probably will be in the, in the traditional uh, industry. Yes. So, so that that said, then having seen, having been a, you know a part of the papers, watching mm. whole departments go, mm. um, and it is it is literally like that, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It, 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 journalism. Let's go on. Did you have higher hopes? Well, did you ever aspire then to become traditionally published? You know, knowing how kind of print and traditional was going. Um, not, I, I didn't really know anything about it to be honest. <laughs> um, I had vague ideas that one day I want to write a novel you know, as we all maybe think. Uh, and it didn't really get any more developed than that um, until I came out to Japan and I was out here and, um, you know, I'm teaching English. Uh, but I'm a little bit, you know, my, my Japanese isn't brilliant. So um, a little bit so sort of uh, isolated or I felt a little bit. And I thought, well, I've got to do something here. Um, and I thought, you know what, it's time to, you know, start right, start working on my dreams and, you know, write this novel and so I started doing that in what about 2010 2009 2010 actually getting serious about it and uh, uh, you know learning about writing and all that sort of stuff uh, without any real understanding of what Kindle was or Amazon or the changing environment of publishing I just thought well this is this is what I want to be doing and I was doing it you know purely as a hobby um, at that point and then uh, <laughs> to tell my story, the earthquake happened in 2011, and and that that was a complete game changer. Now, for mm. for me, who's got a terrible memory, and, uh, <laughs> and for people who yes. aren't aware, well, I've written all this just, stuff down on a piece of paper. You're not the only one with a bad memory. Oh, that's okay, okay, carry no, on. I just, I just can't. Well, you know what it's like. I mean, you've you've been a journalist. I, I mm. used to deal with so many stories in a day when I because I used to mm. present a breakfast uh, news program, and I'd have to get up to speed with you know ten twenty stories in a day, yeah. and then I ditch them and then do the next twenty that's the right. next day, and I, I and so I have a memory span of a gnat with news stories. I can get to grips with the core components very quickly, but I can't remember them. So okay. just, just remind me of the details. If you Certainly. Know. Well, the, the, the big earthquake that, that made the news was in 2011, uh, March, March 11th, 3-11-2011. Um, and that was a major event, uh, of course, <laughs> in, in Japan. And even here in Ibiko, even though the, the epicenter was 200, about 200 kilometers north of here, uh, it was a... What was it? I, I, I can't remember all the levels of everything, but basically the whole house shook for, uh, oh, I don't know, 30, 30 seconds, a minute, maybe a minute it was. And I was pretty sure the whole thing was going to fall down. And so I was standing out in the street with my wife and my daughter, who was then, well, what was she, three? 
and uh, just looking at the uh, looking at the house, thinking, "Yep, that's that's going to fall down." <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, that was intense, and um, and then it sort of stopped, and we thought, "Oh, the worst is over." And I, I relocated my second daughter, uh, sorry, my first daughter, who was at school, my older daughter, um, and so so the family was safe. So I wasn't worried about that, and then that's terrifying, isn't it? If you sorry, I didn't, if your daughter's yeah. at school and you're separated, that's well, terrifying. Yeah, it, it, it's only two hundred meters down the road, so we could see the school was standing, so we knew she was safe, and uh, so the immediate terror was over. Well, my family's safe, and actually, the house is still still up. Um, and then the, uh, the then the aftershocks started happening. Every forty minutes, uh, another earthquake. It's like a it's like a ripple going through the through the through the street you could you can literally see the earthquake as it progresses uh, like a wave and you think bloody hell <laughs> so 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 that happened and then um all that week for one week we were being hit by um aftershocks which were not as intense but you know the whole house would shake and you, uh, you know it really intense and that would be happening every hour or so um it's sort of like labor pains i think <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I would, um that went on for a week, um, and this whole time I was thinking, do you know, I, I'm a journalist, and I'm, I'm sitting here, uh, and this is the biggest story that's ever landed on my lap. I mean, I've always been a local paper, you know, <laughs> so this never had yes, to be stuck in tree headline. <laughs> Definitely, yes, yes. I could tell you very long, long-winded, boring stories about the stuff that I usually had to do. But you know, yeah, my news, my even my my rusty news instinct said this is this is the biggest story that's out there that's happening, and I'm sitting here in the in the epicenter, or even 200 kilometers away. But this is international story. What am I doing? You know, I'm teaching English, and uh, and we'd we'd cancelled classes for the week because we didn't know what we were doing. And I thought, do you know what? I've got a window here, and I've got the skills. Uh, to to do something about this, and I th- and I just Twitter was really big back then, and um, it wasn't dominated by uh, strange politicians, um, <laughs> and and so I, I had a little bit of a following. I had a, I had an, a, an anonymous name, our man in a beco, I called myself, um, and uh, I'd been following a lot of journalists, and so that was a natural natural base. You know, now looking looking with hindsight, you think, well, that's a perfect base for for, for launching a book. Uh, but I put out a tweet saying, "Hey, um, I want to do a charity book. Let's get, you know, I don't I don't have the time to do it, but if everybody sent me like a 200 word uh, synopsis of, of or a 200 word description of what they're doing in the earthquake, or what they've noticed, or their feelings, or anything, or send me some artwork or anything, um, I'll piece it together like a you know like the editor that I used to be." And um, and I'll publish the book. And I had no idea how I was going to do that, but I thought, well, with the power of Twitter, we can do that. And um, that's what happened. We, <laughs> within one week, uh, I had a hundred contributors uh, from all around Japan. My wife uh, contacted all friends that she knew. We we got in touch with people up in the north where the radiation was uh, uh, leaking out. We talked to people who'd lost children in their uh, to the tsunami. Um, most of it, I mean, most of it was uh, foreigners living in Japan who could speak English, but, but there was a fair uh, smattering of, of uh, Japanese who could only speak Japanese. My wife translated those. And we put them together and we thought, well, wow, great, we've got this book. And then we managed to get some um, celebs in on it. Um, uh, we, just, we just tweeted out to um, uh, Yoko Ono, uh, William Gibson, and uh, Barry Eisler, who writes some um, Japan uh, uh, thrillers, and uh, Jake Edelstein, who wrote Tokyo Vice. He's well known in the Japan circuit. And of course, given the, the drama of what had happened, and it was only one week after the earthquake, and it was still dominating the news, I think, uh, everybody said yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I, I, gave, I actually was uh, in email contact with William Gibson, you know, the, um, the, uh, the science fiction writer, and I gave him a 12-hour deadline. I said, well, we're in a bit of a hurry. Can you write us something? It doesn't have to be very long. Just write us something so we can put your name in it. You know? And he said, yeah, sure. And I went to bed. And, of course, because of the time difference, it was earlier in um, Canada or uh, Vancouver, where he is, I think. I can't remember. And, uh, and he, wrote a, 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 he wrote a piece in 12 hours, an original piece, and sent it to us and um, sent it to me. And I had some editors around. I had some people, volunteers, basically around. Uh, I had somebody who was sleeping on a sofa in Los Angeles, who volunteered her time. I had somebody in New York. I didn't know who she was. 
uh, and an, another photo, you know, like that. We had about four editors, I think, and we just pieced it together uh, using Gmail. <laughs> yeah, it was really exciting, and we did it in one week. So one week after the earthquake, compiled it all, wrote this book in one week, got these uh, famous people to put their names to it, um, and and I did it all anonymously as our man in a Vico <laughs> because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be like a lovey, you know, oh, I'm doing this for me. And I didn't want anybody to say, you're just doing that to, you know, to, to brown nose with the uh, with other people. So I used my my um, uh, anonymous um, identity. I even had an interview on CNN as our man in a Biko. Wow. <laughs> this it's is great. brilliant. But you, you see, this, is, this is something that you don't realize. As, as a journalist, this, you, you know that these things are possible. Yes. Um, uh, it's why, I, you know, sometimes I can get big names on here because you only have to ask most of the time. And actually... Absolutely. Yes, yes, it's amazing, and uh, yeah, I mean that—that that was the biggest lesson for me. Well, I mean, we can talk about lots of lessons I've learned, but 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 um, I mean, I didn't make any money from this. Obviously, I, what we did—the amazing thing—I mean, some of the people. Yeah, sorry, I, I don't want to take all the credit for this because really it was a—it was, it was a group effort, and in the end, there are about two hundred people involved in this, um, and we even made a Japanese, a bilingual Japanese English version of the book, and put it out. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I love it. What a great project! It was a great project, and we we raised forty thousand dollars. We charged nine ninety nine for the book, and we sold I think three thousand copies. And then and then I got a Japanese publisher called Goken, uh, just a local publisher interested in doing it, and they did a, a print run of two thousand and and sold them through shops. Um, so and we got the we got the book out I think in May. So the disaster was in March. Within two months, it was in the shops. I mean, this is unheard of, especially in traditional publishing. <laughs> we did it in two months, this enormous yeah. project. You know. There are so many points in there, aren't there, about, <laughs> about self-publishing, that you decided you want to do it, you did yeah. it, and you got it out there, and you yep. had no gatekeepers, you had no one fussing, blocking you, or anything like that. You just got it out there. And, and there are so many lessons in that, aren't there, for self-publishers, I absolutely. think. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, so so that's, that was my first publishing experience, which may well end up being the best thing that ever happened to me, or the <laughs> most profound thing I ever did. So be it. <laughs> what a way to start, eh? <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say that to you, because, uh, you know, not only did you not get, and, and I know, I know it's irrelevant here because you were mm. doing it as a charitable gesture. Mm. But as you say, it might be the biggest success <laughs> certainly today. Well, and no one will ever know it was you. I know. Well, I mean, the kind of the cat's out of the bag now, but I mean, it, it, it's pretty clear I'm not making any money from it, so so I don't mind, and I'm quite happy to talk about it as a publishing. You know, I'm quite happy to boast about it now because I'm pretty proud of it, really. Um, but, you know, and we, we got up to, I think, the highest was maybe third or fourth on Amazon US of the Amazon store, right? You know, uh, not, not, not any kind of little niche. We were the third or fourth book. I think we were behind Jesse Ventura's <laughs> autobiography. He, wow. was, he was wrestling us to the, to the ground. But, you know, uh, Glory days. <laughs> well, well, con congratulations, and and what a great uh, project, and what a brilliant way. I mean, it, uh, when you were talking about it, you know, mm. again, I don't want to trivialise it, but mm. you know, I was thinking Bob Geldof and Live Aid. It well, was it was that... like that, and I and, yeah. I and I was doing it. Um, I, oh man, I mean, I, I was interviewed by CNN uh, by Skype. I, I managed to. <laughs> I did the V for victory at the end of my CNN victory uh, um, interview. I, I really wasn't taking it seriously because I just thought, well, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing, so enjoy it, and I, and I did. <laughs> well, it's a, a, absolutely a great experience, that is, and I, I, just, I just love the empowerment of it. I, I, you know, I love yeah. that, um, and using your skills you know, as, a, as a journalist as well, bringing it all together. I just yeah. think it's... Uh, well, as I said, I always dreamed of being a, a, a foreign correspondent, and, and, and this was an enormous international worthy story. And not only that, we, we weren't even doing it for politics or to promote somebody's career, anybody's career. We were doing it to, 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 to buy blankets for, for, for um, survivors of the tsunami. I mean, I mean you know. I did, I, we, um, we did our bit. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's a brilliant life experience. You know, what, whatever yes. happens after, that is a brilliant story and a brilliant life experience. Well, yeah, well done well, on that. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was uh, that was 2011. <laughs> and and then having done that, then mm. I mean, I, there must have been that sensation of uh, oh wow, you know, mm. this this could be done. At least you know it could be done. 
Yes, and um, we did have a follow-up. I, I, I got together some of the professional people, uh, uh, some of the journalists, uh, Jake Adelstein I mentioned, and some other Japan hands that are well-known in the sort of Japan circuit. And we wrote another book called uh, Reconstructing 311 and uh, put that out uh, uh, sort of for profit. And that wasn't as successful. I mean, we sold maybe a thousand copies, I think. Uh, but I, I, I realized that was the, ne- the year after. And we put that out as, a, as, a, as an anniversary edition. And I realized that sort of it, it had fizzled out. You know, the, 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 hot, the moment striking while the, while the iron is hot. The iron was no longer hot. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Band-Aid 2 signal, isn't it? No one ever remembers absolutely, that one. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm glad we did it. And we did something and it was worthwhile. Uh, but I, 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 that was kind of a, a message to me, right, move on. You know, you did your bit. Now, you know, take the lessons. What, what you gain from it is the lessons of the experience um, and move on. Move on to your next project. <laughs> and so what was that and, and what lessons did you take with you when you came to doing your own self-publishing when you didn't have the, the sort of charity uh, yeah. momentum that you had there? Yeah, yeah. Well, then, then it just went super small. And I thought, well, okay, get this blooming novel that's been sitting on my back shelf for the last 20 years. Get this done. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, I did like, like most people, I, I, um, I, I started a, a beta, beta reading group and, um, um, did it, did it very, uh, you know, in the indie way, um, again, with no editor and no, you know, it, this was 2012, um, did it totally in a sort of amateur way, but I had a network now. Suddenly I had people who were, who knew who I was and uh, were willing to help. And so and I said, well, I'm writing this novel. This, this, this one isn't for charity, but if you're interested, it's about Japan. And, uh, um, and of course, anybody I asked it, oh, yeah, of course, I'd love to help you. And so, I, so you know, the, the result of, uh, although this wasn't the intention, but the result of doing the charity work was I had a, an inbuilt group of, um, what do you call it, a, a tribe or something, or, you know, an editorial team who could step in and, and help out. So, so that's what I did. So I wrote the first book was called um, uh, uh, Half-Life, which is a Hannah Walker um, adventure, a mystery. The, the, the main character is called Hannah Walker, who's half English, half Japanese. And, um, and I, I realized the most interesting thing that had happened was the earthquake. So I set it in the earthquake. Um, she has to go in search of an abducted child uh, in the earthquake zone. Uh, uh, sorry, the um, uh, tsunami zone where the tsunami has come through. And um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll fictionalize it as some of the issues. Um, and, uh, and so that, that was a great project, but a much smaller thing and of, of less impact, of course. And those sound like they're, you're in sort of young adult zone by the sound yes, of Yes, absolutely, yes. And I, I sort of modeled it on, I imagined my elder daughter, what would she do if she were, you know, an action hero? or heroin uh and so i wrote it about that um and you know it was a first novel it was it's it's quite inventive uh i'm not sure it's very good but (laughs) it it got me going and it it started something and i thought do you know what you you know with your first novel you you're very proud of it and then you look back at it and you think oh dear look at these mistakes i mean i mean in structure and you know, I wasn't really following a hero's journey, and I sort of had a three act, but there wasn't a very well developed villain, and you know, all these things. Uh, but but you know, I'd done it. I'd done the first novel, and that was that was a sort of a dream. And you know, I didn't sell very many, but I didn't market it really. I I, I think I sold maybe a couple of hundred, maybe two hundred copies, which you know. That was good. <laughs> well, it is good. Yeah, I mean, some people uh, sell just a couple because family and friends buy them, and then they they run out of ideas for marketing after that. So I, you know, I would say it's a very respectable number. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I do take a very long term view, perhaps a, a, a lazily long term view about marketing. Um, I, I I do think it's a sort. Of, I I don't know. I, I want to write a very good book, obviously, but. Um, I think it might take me 20 years. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, you and me both. Yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> but, I mean, the difference is that with most, most focus, I'm, I'm quite willing to, to, to wait that 20 years if, if, if that's what it takes. Um, I, I want to improve my craft and, uh, and get on with it. And so, you know, I, I, I'll keep churning out these novels and other novels. Um, uh, and at some point I will start marketing. Once I feel that I've really written something that's really – Pretty, pretty darn good, as good as I can possibly get it. When I'm confident with that, then 
then I'll take whatever the latest um, you know tactics are of uh, whether it's Amazon ads or Facebook or BookBub or whatnot. Um, you know that's kind of the lesson I took from from uh, uh, 2011 from the earthquake is it it's the timing that is the most important thing and if if you hit it at the right time boom you're away if it's the wrong time you're just gonna you're just gonna be um, paddling um, you know. Uh, taking on water. <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it, actually. Um, one of my most exciting days as a self-publisher was when I made a book sale in Japan. I saw 200 and something, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I've, I've hit it big time in Japan. Yeah, and then, and then, <laughs> and then I'm, I'm looking at the um, exchange rate online here, and it, and it looks like the Bitcoin exchange rate. You know, it's it's 0.0066 of a British pound. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but, <laughs> what a disappointment it was! I was up there and then down there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's about there's about 150 euro, uh, 150 yen to a pound or so at the moment. So, if you see, well, 300 yen, yeah, that's that's about two pounds. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I discovered that. And, but um, you know, I've been in the Japanese charts recently, and I just want to talk to you about you know, sure. you'll have to list in Japan, won't you? You'll have to list. Um, first in Japan, and then it will filter through to .com and .co and .co.uk and everything. Is that right? Um, well, you know, I, I published through Amazon.com, I guess it is. I mean, it's through the KDP oh, portal, um, which mm. then publishes through everywhere else, um, including Japan. So, oh, is that how it works? So you filter through yeah. like the rest of us? Oh, yes. Right. Yeah, maybe because I'm using English language. Now, I'm not sure if Japanese, if they, I would imagine there's a, they go through the .co.jp. Uh, but I don't because my Japanese sucks. So, <laughs> you know. uh, but I was talking to an insider, uh, actually a former uh, QuakeBook um, colleague, a Japanese guy that had published it, uh, published the book, and he said that um, you know because I said you know I might, I'm going on this very important uh, self-publishing uh, podcast, and he's bound to ask me about the Japanese market. I don't really know that much about the Japanese the Japanese language side of it. So I asked uh, this fella, and he said. He said it's like everywhere else. Amazon dominates. Uh, that there are there are some Japanese local uh, um, uh, publishers. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, internet that you can publish on the internet, but they're they're small time. That something like eighty or ninety percent of publish self publishing goes on Amazon, um, and then with a tiny percentage in uh, Kobo and um, uh, iBooks. So. It's very much similar. He said the one the one difference is that in Japan, eighty percent of the uh, self publishing is manga. You know the Japanese. Um, yes, I love love a bit of manga. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so eighty percent of that takes up. You know, I mean, that's the popular reading is is manga. So anybody who has dreams of being big in Japan, if if, if you're not doing manga, <laughs> you, <laughs> might, you might struggle. <laughs> well, it was a bizarre experience because with this with this book bub, I I kind of hit territories that I've never hit before. So yeah. I was in I was in the Japan listings, and I was was something like in the top seven, and and in there was um, Dan Brown, but I don't I don't know whether it was really Dan Brown because it was a sampler, so I don't know whether it was oh. some uh, spoof, but it, it looked like Dan Brown. It was listed probably as was. Dan yeah, Brown. Yeah, he's, he's just come out, hasn't he? Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, it was his latest one, whatever that one is. And then I was also in. This is why it was a bizarre chart. There was me, Dan Brown. Mm. And something like Joseph Conrad in there, or something like that. <laughs> it, 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 it was the most surreal experience. Well, what can I say? Well, welcome to Japan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, yes. it's obviously a chart like no other, though, isn't it? You know, it's not. It's not like our charts or dot com at all. It was. It was really all over the well, place. It looked like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're if you're selling English language books in Japan, then it's a different kettle of fish. I mean, you've got you, you, there is a, a a pretty la a pretty large um, expat community of English speakers, of Americans, Australians, you know, Brits out in Japan. But you know, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but they're a tiny percentage of the of the book buying public in in Japan. So you might be getting you might be selling stuff to those those people. So that's the. the and, and then the, the classics like Joseph Conrad, those will be English language students or Japanese people learning English or at university and the professors told them to buy Joseph Conrad that, that month, I would imagine. <laughs> I hope they didn't buy my book. 
<laughs> they won't do it there. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, yes. <laughs> now, which, which brings us on to your um, teaching English as a foreign language. This, um, I'm really interested in this because um, this is this is a bit personal rather than all three because you know, I'm a former primary school teacher. I know oh, when well I was done. a primary... Uh, yes, I know. I made it through. And, and uh, I've often thought, well, you know, this might be a good way of, of bootstrapping travelling because I, I love to travel. Mm. When the kids have grown up and gone, I want to travel. I thought, well, you know, maybe I should try a bit of teaching English as a foreign language. And you're telling me that you, you're you you're married to a Japanese lady. You're, yeah. Your children, are they Japanese? Does that make them Japanese by birth then? Uh, yeah, they're, they're um, dual citizens. So they're British and Japanese with two passports. So they and they go to Japanese schools, presumably. Yes, yes, all Japanese. We don't have any money, so they go to the they go to the local <laughs> public schools. I mean, you know, the state schools. Uh, so, so you're letting the side down then. If you don't speak very good Japanese, are you, um, um, <laughs> I'm just wondering how. I just I'm interested to know how you could sort of survive in that environment without speaking Japanese. That's why I'm just interested at a personal level, really. Large amounts of alcohol help. No, 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 no. no uh, <laughs> No, no. Um, well, I speak English in in my job. I'm an English teacher, and, and uh, that's where my value to the local people is. If they want to hear me speak English, they don't want to hear my my Japanese. And at home, we speak English, so because we want to boost the children's English. So, so my kids are fluent in English. My wife is fluent in English. Uh, my, I'm self-employed. The work I do is always in English. Uh, my Japanese has sort of, you know, it doesn't doesn't improve much, but then it doesn't need to. Um, I just need it for um, sort of like O-level standard or GCSE standard, um, you know, uh, ordering food and dealing with day-to-day problems. Um, you can survive uh, with, with a bit of help <laughs> from, from a support network. Uh, that is one of my projects is to, is to improve my Japanese, but I've been saying that for 10 years. <laughs> so when you teach English as a foreign language then, it is done in, in English, so it's up to them to keep up, not, not you? Uh, I do it exclusively in English. Uh, we t- I team teach with my wife um, uh, little kids. So I mean, we teach uh, from zero to, uh, well, my oldest student is about um, 70. So we teach everybody, but uh, as for little kids, we do a play group uh, from zero to three where they, the kids come in with their mothers and we're just doing nursery rhymes and playing games in English. Um, and then um, for, for, for um, uh, kids three to 11, primary school age, kindergarten and primary school age, um, I team teach with my wife. So if there's any need to translate something, then, then she's around. But, but you find that actually you learn techniques and you, know, you, you don't want them to be constantly translating you want them to be listening to English and trying out English and, and using their brain to figure out, oh, oh, he's, he said cat, and he's pointing at that thing. That must be a cat. That must be a you know, Japanese neko. Oh, it's cat, and they just say cat. And, I mean, that's at a very basic level. But um, anyway, <laughs> I could go on about uh, teaching English. But, but, uh, but it's, it's relevant, isn't it? Because you, you have published your, mm. um, your text, and, uh, and it, it actually feeds into your self-publishing as well. Absolutely. And uh, yes, uh, when was that? That would be about, so after I'd got my novel done, my first novel, I thought, you know, and I've sold my 200 copies and then it didn't change mm-hmm. my life. I thought, well, okay, well, what else can I do, you know, spending all this time on, on publishing? And I thought, well, uh, we've been using Oxford University Press textbooks, which are very good, um, but they're very sort of standard and they're not, they're not necessarily shaped for the Japanese market and they're not very good for ages three to six. Um, there wasn't anything really out there that was, that was good because yeah, you can't have complicated English, but it's got to be, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's got to be very basic, but understandable. And, you know, anyway, um, I realized, well, let me just do it myself. Um, so I, yeah, we, we, I spent the next, what, 2013 to 2015 writing as many textbooks as quickly as I could. <laughs> so I've got a textbook for each year group now. So I'm on to my, I'm now into junior high school level. So what's that, 11 textbooks I've written and uh, illustrated myself. Because I, <laughs> I thought, well, I don't, I'm a bit of a skin friend. I thought, well, I don't want to, well, I can't afford to pay a, an artist. And I'd, I hadn't even thought about some, just, just getting some stock art. I mean, now I probably would just do that. But I did it the hard way. I, I thought, well, I'm going to illustrate it myself. It's just kids' books. It's zero to, th- you know, sorry, three year, from three years old onwards. So I thought, well, it can be a bit childish art. And so I did. I just went to YouTube and, you know, like literally, you know, how to draw a cartoon dog. I would type that into YouTube. 
<laughs> and then draw it <laughs> and then show it to the wife. And she says, yeah, that's all right. I say, is that a dog or a cat? She says, I think it's a dog. Okay, pass. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, and I, and I did it and I got better. And you, if you look at my books, the first few are a bit dodgy artwork but by the time i got to number number 10 and 11 that was pretty good i've been doing it for two years i, I was a i was actually a a, a self-employed um a book illustrator <laughs> well, well I, I gotta tell you I've, I've been looking at what am i looking at at the moment tower talk junior high yeah uh, one i mean that that's like a that, that's really nice it's a proper textbook you, yeah, that, you can have a good old look at it and then look inside that's yeah. classy stuff that is that's my 11th book by, by then, I'd discovered I'd, I'd, I'd you know gone through all the all the uh, self publishing uh, podcasts, and I'd heard of um, what's his name, the uh, the chap with the funny hair. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not even going to answer that one. I'll get into trouble. <laughs> no, um, uh, very no, De- Derek Murphy. Derek Murphy. Oh right, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> lovely. No, no, but his his. I mean, if anybody wants some advice on on, on doing making their own covers, read his. I, get, I think he gives away one for one of his um, sign up. Uh, uh, mailing lists i forget what it's called but derek murphy's cover course or cover cover book is brilliant and i, I just took a lot, so much information and he just got some so much um uh, uh practical information about you know what websites to go to and uh, where to get your, your stock art from um i i thought you know I, I used to i used to lay out the front page of the derby evening telegraph how, how hard can a textbook be <laughs> well it's not hard, but it's quite time-consuming. Yeah, sure, I hadn't thought about that, that you've got those kind of layout skills as well. When you, I, I know you, um, you know, in a self-deprecating way, you say you do that <laughs> thing that I shouldn't do, which is make your own covers. But actually, you know, you bring skills to the table with it. I guess so, yes, I do. But it's a different kettle of fish. I mean, uh, you know, doing a, doing a, a tabloid uh, front page is a giant headline with, uh, you know, tiny picture and you know but but yes i suppose i do have some kind of sense about it um maybe maybe just just having the confidence that yes i can do this how difficult can this be (laughs) but i I gotta tell you by the time i get into book 11 you know they you wouldn't be upset if you bought that in wh schmidt's i don't think that looks really nicely produced i think Thank you. Well, that's a mixture of my my experience and uh, Derek Murphy's uh, advice. <laughs> well, so, I've, I've not heard that tip uh, for Derek Murphy's uh, content before. I didn't know he did that. So that's uh, well please, worth hearing. That's yes, you or your listeners, please please look look, uh, look out for that. Especially if you're like me, where you, you just churn these books out. And and I just thought, well, I could pay for a, a pro to do to do something like that. But I thought, you know, if I'm going to do 11, 12, 13 textbooks. Why not? Why not learn how to do it properly, and it will pay for itself. By the time I get to the tenth or eleventh, you know, I can always go back and redo the the earlier ones if I want to. So, and, and I think there's an important point there, isn't there? And I, and I think people often uh, will do this in self-publishing with their first book. Mm. But in self-publishing, uh, we're not building statues here. They're not going to be there in, <laughs> in two hundred years' time. We can go back and give them a spring clean if we want to at That's any time. Right. That's right. You, you should have seen my first covers for for Half Life. My uh, I did them with marker pen. Oh, really? <laughs> it, was, it was quite good. The concept was quite good. It just the finishing was not there. <laughs> but anyway, but, but yes, but you know, nobody died. You know, uh, you know, so you can go back and and redo it, and you know. Uh, it's very. Un- I mean, I, I think a lot of the, the business models that we follow and that we listen to are all about how to get that bestseller. And, and you know, more power to you. And, and you know, like what you've done with um, BookBub, uh, brilliant. You know, you had your. I don't know how much you made this month, but it was you know a, a significant income. Great. Uh, but that that's one way. There's another way of doing it, and that's the way that I'm trying to approach it. <laughs> Perhaps the skinflint way, but or, or the the teacherly way. You know, I want to learn the skills, so I don't mind. Uh, if it does take me 10 years to get to the stage where actually that's not an embarrassing cover, I, I don't mind if, because the other thing is, you know, if you make something that looks embarrassing and is a bit rubbish, well, people just won't buy it. And so how many people saw your rubbish cover? You know, 20 people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can live with that. Yeah. Well, it, it's true. And, um, 
with the covers, I agree with you at the moment because you know I'm, I'm, I've been banging them out so fast this year. Mm. I, I just can't afford four hundred quid a cover at a time. Mm. You know, I can't bootstrap a business like that. So I've I've had to make some economies. Um, mm. it, it does, fortunately, it doesn't seem to have affected it. You know, with, I mean, the book bub's good sort of testimony mm. to that because we shifted whatever it was forty three and a half thousand pounds with what I consider to be a bad cover. My wife keeps telling me it's not, and I say, well, it is really. You know, I know it is really. Um, but uh, but it hasn't. Yeah, stopped, no, it's it good enough. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah, enough, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. No. You did. You did a very good uh, diary piece about that. You know, good enough to ship that kind of thing. Then it is, uh, and get it out the door, and then start work on the next one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I, I agree with what you're saying, you see, because you're you're talking about iteration. You're saying mm. that I get it out there. If mm. it's wrong, I can change it. Mm. But you're also talking about investing in your skills for a lifetime of writing. Uh, that everything mm. you learn now, you will be using in one years, five years, ten years time, and you'll get better at it. And I think that's a great attitude to have in self-publishing. Yeah, I, I, that's that's the that's the approach I want to take with it. Um, I, I hope it's a sort of a moral approach as well, or, or educators educators kind of approach. Uh, you know, I want something more out of this because if I just want to churn it out and make money, well, I'm I'm already making money, or, or I did make money as a as a journalist. You know, I I want something more from it. Perhaps I'm asking too much, but uh, and the more that I want from it is 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 learning the skill and the joy of uh, the the pride of oh, I made that cover, I, I did that. You know. Um, so maybe I'll never make any money at it with that attitude, but, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I did have, I'll tell you a funny one. I did have a bit of, uh, uh my best month was about this time last year, actually, just before Christmas. And I, uh, it, they're no longer for sale, but I, I had my, I had my coloring, adult coloring books. When well, I meant to ask you about that. Please <laughs> mention that. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about this. Cause okay. uh, you're, 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 you're one of the authors. When some, some authors I talk to, um, uh, you're, you're one of, and you're one of these is when I flick through your books on Amazon, it goes scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah. And there's, and there's loads of you books think, there. What on earth is that? <laughs> well, I think they're very eclectic. You see, there's a lot. There's, and, and, and I meant, I also saw in your blurb that you, you'd done a coloring book. So talk, talk me through this because these were huge a year ago. Yeah, they were, yes. And I think I'd heard Derek Murphy say he, he was churning them out because, I mean, he's quite cavalier. He said, well, I, I can do one a month, uh, one a week, so that's what I do. And I thought, bloody hell, one a week? And I thought the, the journalist in me was going, hmm, one a week? That's like a, a weekly newspaper. I could do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, but what happened was, the, um, well, I'm from Leicester in England, and uh, anybody who follows football might have heard that, um, that Leicester City won the uh, Premier League I don't know if you care. Well, but... I was in there. I was in Leicester that very oh. weekend. Um, oh. I was at a, a writing conference, the Matador oh. writing conference, and <laughs> and there were posters of the guys all through the city. Yeah, uh, it, and it was you know it was absolutely spare for football that weekend. It was, oh. uh, so no, I was there. I was actually there. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's great. I'm jealous because well, I was here. But <laughs> but there's a Japanese connection because the uh, the striker. Um, uh, uh, well, I've forgotten his name. Uh, Oh God! Don't ask me. Don't ask me. <laughs> it won't come from me. Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Okay, so that happened, and I thought, hmm, what can I do? <laughs> what can I do to cash in on this? I thought no, no, and I thought no. I thought, what can I do to celebrate this amazing? Another, you know, it's like an earthquake, but in a happy way. You know, this is a once in a lifetime thing. My hometown football team winning, winning the Premier League. I mean, it's un- unheard of. I've got to do something. What can I do? <laughs> and I thought, well. Adult coloring books, and I, and I'd been to a secondhand bookshop in, um, in in Tokyo, and just out of chance bought a um, uh, just a, a book of like a very nice Japanese woodcut designs, black and white woodcut designs, and it had been published before the internet, like in 1980 or something. And they said yeah, you can use up to four of these and reproduce them uh, in any art project <laughs> without asking ah. permission. I thought. I hope. <laughs> right. So I chose four designs. They're rather nice. You know, they're like, like, like pictures of Japanese cranes and, um, you know, the birds and, uh, oh, I don't know, flowers and lotus blossoms and all that sort of stuff, sort of oriental uh, knick-knack stuff. <laughs> so I put that as a background on a page, which I thought people could color in, and then <laughs> took a piece of tracing paper and traced pictures of Jamie Vardy or um, – Okazaki, that's the chap's name, the uh, the striker. Uh, and I just you know just went on on Google or whatever and googled their names and so got the stars of Leicester, right? <laughs> and 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 then I sort of superimposed them. I put them with my, with my Mac. I put superimposed the image that I'd traced with a piece of paper 
onto the with a nice proper professional background of this nice Japanese design, <laughs> and I had twenty of those twenty pictures. Um, wow. Yeah, and and I called it the Zen of Ranieri. Ranieri's the manager, and because you know he's <laughs> he's quite a comical guy, and he's Italian chap, and he's, when he speaks English. You know, his English is quite funny. No, uh, unintentionally, he sounds sort of very uh, uh, deep and meaningful. So I thought, okay, we'll call it the Zen of Ranieri, uh, an adult coloring book celebrating the Leicester City's victory. Um, <laughs> I pieced it together, and I'd got quotes from Ranieri on, on facing pages. So one page had the quote, the other page had something that you had to color in. <laughs> and, That's brilliant. And it was hilarious, and it was great. It was such a silly idea, and it was the zen of something. And I made, I made the covers. I, I saw what other people were doing in um, uh, adult coloring books, and I thought, okay, I'll do. I make it look like that. And I took my best image uh, from each book, uh, from this book, and put it on the cover, and put it at a sort of a lopsided angle, and called it. I got a nice Easterny looking font, the zen of whatever Ranieri. <laughs> And I sold 30 copies. <laughs> and then, then I had a brainwave, and I thought, well, that's Leicester City. You know, who, not many people, you know, I mean, they're big in the news now, but not many people really support Leicester City unless you're from Leicester. How about Manchester United? How about Chelsea? And I thought, ooh, I've got the template now. I've got the style. <laughs> and, and so the first book, the, the Leicester City book, took me a week to do, uh, probably about 20 hours of, of actual work to do it. And then the second one, I thought, well, I'll do Man United. And I, and I just did famous Man United players through history. <laughs> and I called it the Zen of Manchester United. That's so I had Rooney <laughs> with a quote from Rooney. <laughs> you know, it's not the ball what you kick, it's the, it's the man or something, you know, trying to make it sound like it's some Zen wisdom. <laughs> and, and so I churned that one, and that just took 15 hours. Then I did Liverpool, and then I did Chelsea, and um, oh, when did I give up? <laughs> I did Spurs. <laughs> but and I, so every week I was churning these out, and I, and I got it down to ten hours. I could do it in ten hours. I could make a complete book and release it in ten hours. Um, and they started selling somehow. I think it was the Arsenal one, the Zen of Arsenal, with a picture of Thierry Henry on the front doing a sort of Lotus Blossom kick. <laughs> Um, anyway, and it was all going like, like gangbusters, and I was selling. Uh, I, I think that month I made a thousand, thousand pounds, a thousand dollars from all of these accumulated. I think I had at one point I had six, six of these ridiculous coloring books. And then, and then what happened was because I'd churned them out so quickly, I hadn't had time to get feedback from people, which is perhaps the Achilles heel. <laughs> And what happened was, you see, there I was thinking, well, I'm appealing to three sets. I'm appealing to adult colorers. I'm appealing to people who like Japan, and I'm appealing to football fans. Great. I've got three sets of people. But actually, I think I was only appealing to uh, football fans just before Christmas or football fans' grandma or mother or <laughs> who were buying them a silly present. And I was selling these for four, four pounds, I think. It was as cheap as I could go and still make a profit. Um, and what, so what happened was after about a month, I started getting the reviews come in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's payback time. It's, yeah, <laughs> and I got what I deserve. And so, of course, I thought it was hilarious and very uh, sort of almost Monty Python-esque and everything in my smarty pants living in Japan way. But, of course, all these people that were buying these books were true fans. They were Man United fans, and they were not happy that Rooney looked really silly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just got... I got panned on. I got so many bad reviews, one-star reviews all over the place. And I thought, ooh. But I thought, well, it's not my core product. I'm not really that worried. But then I thought, you know, I never even looked at uh, trademarks and um, copyrights. And I'm freely calling it the Zen of Manchester United. But, you know, they've got lawyers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know whether the likenesses are uh, copyrighted. Uh, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, yeah, not sure about that. And uh, but what I am sure about is that all of these Premier League football teams protect their their money strongly, and they have lawyers, and I don't. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I suddenly had a sort of just a moment of panic that, yeah. You know, normally I, I would you know I wouldn't worry about it, but then I thought you know all these irate people who love Manchester United, you know all they need to do is pick up the phone to um, to Manchester. United. You know this chap's doing these awful. <laughs> coloring books 
And then I might get into trouble with Amazon, and I thought, it's not worth it, because I'm, I'm thinking long-term. And this little jolly that I was doing started as a joke and bizarrely made a 1,000, well, maybe a 1,000 pounds or so. Uh, it could endanger my future career, and I thought, ah, hey, now, how much is this really worth to me? And I thought, it's not it's worth a lot more than a thousand quid. So I just, I just, I tried to unpub. Well, I unpublished all of them, but they're still on the Amazon. But just yeah, you can't get rid of them in there in paperback, can you? I know. Mm. I know. Top so, tip, though. Top tip for you. I tell you what you could do yeah. is you could republish them and then just put safer covers on uh, because we can't sort of see anything. <laughs> there's, there's no look inside. So what I would do is is um, is republish, put a cover in that is totally inoffensive, and, and then, then, and then they'll be there forever. And no one will be able to come and get you. I was just trying to work out whether we had an extradition treaty with Japan. That was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some irate fans. I think Everton was my last one. I did Everton. That's right. So so these are collector's items. There are, they're probably, you know, in existence. There may be a couple of hundred in existence. If you get one of these Zen of whatever football teams, hold on to it. And when I, in 20 years' time, when I'm a famous author, you'll make a killing. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, collectors' items. The lawyers for football teams around the UK have, have got many of them. <laughs> for goodness' sake, don't don't make this public. Oop. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I chalk it up to a lesson learned. But, but you know, and, you know, you know so, the reason that you had success with that is because um, it was non-fiction. It was keywords. It was keywords <laughs> of the football teams, and, and yeah. so there there is a lesson in that. And that is, and I, you know, I've said this in the diaries. You, I know you listen to the mm. to the to the podcast, but um, it's easier to be found if you use keywords in your writing. So non-fiction is easier mm-hmm. to sell, and mm-hmm. you've benefited from that because it's just a football team as a keyword. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it, and it was you know it, it was it was on the tail end of a of a craze for adult coloring books, but uh, but but you know the other lesson is it, if it's not your core product, if it's not really what's key and important to you, don't don't mess around with it because it'll just get you into trouble. That's what I, that's yeah. what I think. <laughs> well, you see, so currently, you see, all these books. When I look at your page on Amazon, mm. uh, the football books come in. Although, of course, I can only see the covers. I can't. There's no look inside on there. Mm. And then you've got your textbooks in there too. Mm. And you've also got your, uh, your your young adult fiction. Yeah, yeah mm. Hannah, you said Hannah. Hannah, yeah, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. Hannah. Hannah Walker, yes. Yes. Um, and then also we've got a book which we'll talk about in a moment, which is the, the Trip to the Dentist book at the dentist <laughs> as well. Oh, yes. But you, but you, you must have heard, so you've heard, um, you know, the thinking is about the also buys at the moment, that you've yes. got to keep your, 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 your author name pure because of, of your also bought. So if I buy a book about, um, football, for instance, that's going to harm your, your Hannah Walker books because, it, it mm. screws up. You're also bought. So, how? Where, where are you with this? What What are you thinking with this? Yeah, that, that that's probably true. And um, yeah, I probably made a mistake uh, by doing that. But I, I'm taking the long term view. I'm not really worried about it. And I, I think you know the Amazon. Yeah, you know, I'm not intending. This doesn't need to make me much money, and for another ten years. <laughs> so, <laughs> and who knows what the system will be like in ten years? If it will indeed be Amazon, or if I'll be somewhere else, or if we'll be, you know. Uh, injecting them into your head somehow, you know. Yes, uh, so yeah, well, that's yes, right, yeah. So on, on that sense, I'm not that worried about it. The other, uh, except in a brand sense, you know, I think I messed up by going off in this odd direction. Um, I think I've got to pull it back uh, to, to, well, really, my, my subject matter is Japan. I, I, I'm an Englishman in Japan. Um, and that is the core. So, you know, for example, with the Hannah Walker, and I, I wrote those the first two novels, uh, Hannah Walker, Half Life, and the the other one, uh, Year of the Talking Dog, uh, with native speakers in mind that people in England or America or wherever might be interested in reading it if they like, um, if they're interested in it. And then I thought, well, you know, perhaps I'm missing out the main market, which is the Japanese speakers and actual Japanese teenagers who are learning English. So that's when I started. I thought, you know, that's what I need to do is, is write Hannah Walker stories, take it back. In the novels, she's, uh, how old is she, 18, 19. I thought, well, what if she was 13? And I took, took it back and made her 13 years old and going through junior high school, the same age as the kids that are reading and starting to read English books. And I made short stories so, uh, and released them as a single book. As a, as, an, as a learning, as a book that's written, uh, it's called a graded reader. You know, so like the first book uh, is, is, is all in present tense <laughs> because mm. the kids haven't learned past tense yet. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a, it's about 1,500 words. It's not too long. It'll take them perhaps a week to get through. 
it's like 20 pages. But, um, but I thought, well, okay, I'll use that established character, Hannah Walker. So I've done four, four of those books, and she's having adventures in a Japanese junior high school. And I thought, you know, I'm going to expand that. Um, I've given them to my, uh, uh, to my students, some of my older students, and they, some of the boys don't like it because it's about a girl. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so like, mm. But the girls seem to love it, and they keep saying, when are you going to write some more Hannah Walkers? We want more Hannah Walkers. And I thought, do you know, that's pretty good. And I, I showed it to some other, another school, uh, a friend of mine who teaches English, and uh, she said, yeah, she's, she, this is really good. I'm going to recommend it to all my junior high school kids. And I thought, okay. I'm onto something here. Uh, let me churn these out. <laughs> it's mm. Silly coloring books. Let me do something that's actually useful for people. I've got the characters, um, and they're, they're only 1,500 words, so I can do one a week and still ha- have a full-time job. Um, so that's my, that's my plan for 2018, is to uh, churn out some more of these Hannah Walkers uh, for the market that's right here, which are Japanese kids learning English. And that's all you need, isn't it? All you need is, what do they call it, a thousand true fans. Yeah. It's easy to see how in that environment you could do that. Yeah, well, there's not a lot of competition. <laughs> yes, and well, that too. There yeah. is, but, but, you know, um, the other thing is, you know, I, I realise that I'm sort of sitting, and I'm not sitting on a gold mine, but I'm sitting on a, a very useful thing, having a, a language school. We have 100, uh, just over 100, 130 students. Um, that, that's a perfect uh, testing zone. It was like, okay. So, you know, also um, I should mention I, 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 every Tuesday I, um, I teach at a local uh, kindergarten and we're just uh, teaching, we're jumping around and playing games and reading stories. And I suddenly realized, do you know, these stories are a bit too wordy for little kids who only know a few words of English. And I thought, well, there's a, there's a, there's a market there. And, I, and because I'd been paint, uh, doing a bit of uh, watercolors and uh, improving my artistry, <laughs> such as it is, um, I thought, you know, what if I just made a, a, a little character uh, that could teach Japanese kids basic English vocabulary, you know, make him a, a grumpy cat, uh, and he teaches sort of, a, you know, like, you know, the, um, what's the one, um, Very Hungry Caterpillar. Uh, oh, yes, I do, yes, like, yes. I mean, yeah. that, that kind of style of artwork is very sort of childish and basic with a very simple vocabulary range, you know, like, so... That's my next project is to do some of that because every week I have to read a story to these kids. And I thought, well, why not start reading my own stories and, you know, show them some um, prototypes, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and then, you know, and then start selling it on Amazon or, you know, um, at first maybe just selling it to the local schools. But as long as it's on Amazon, you know, anything's possible. There is one book that sticks out in your portfolio, and uh, it's the one called At the Dentists. Um, <laughs> t- 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 tell me about that one, because it's another la- language book, of course, but it's, uh, it, it's not part of the, it doesn't seem to fit into the, the school books that you did. Right. Well, uh, one, of my, one of my students every Friday night is a, is a dentist, and she's, uh, she was telling me, oh, you know, it'd be really nice if, uh, if my staff could, could speak some basic English so that they could handle the odd foreign uh, patient. And I said, well, I, I don't mind teaching them, and so I did. I taught them five lessons over over a couple of months, just to give them some basic, you know, get, uh, how to take uh, patients' details and do uh, yeah, very basic uh, functions that they would need to do as a receptionist in a dentist. Uh, and um, I thought, well, I've done these lessons; might as well turn it into a book, um, which was pretty straightforward uh, because I had the templates actually from the coloring books. It's the same size as the coloring books. Um, and I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And so, um, and then I got my wife to translate the, the, the very basic expressions, like, you know, um, can I make an appointment, please? Are you free on Tuesday? That kind of thing. Uh, so it wasn't too difficult to translate into Japanese um, and made a little workbook out of it. So it's really a workbook. Um, it's only, what, about 30 pages, 40 pages? But I noticed that similar stuff uh, um, that you can get in Japan they sell for about, I don't know, $20. So I thought, well, I'll sell mine for $10. And, you know, and the cost, as you know, is you know, maybe about 3 or $4 to print. So, you know, and I, <laughs> I've sold 10 copies of that. But it's nicely produced again, you see. Again, that, that, that one, like the, the later um, textbooks you've done, they're, they're really, you know, they're nicely astonished. produced. Well, uh, I'm getting better at it. Because of because of being a bit of a skinflint and not paying for a professional to do it, I've sort of taught myself an acceptable level of uh, of cover production. Um, 
And, and, and you know, that, that again takes about a week to prepare or maybe two weeks to prepare. So I thought, okay, well, that's 100 phrases for dentists. What about 100 phrases for doctors and 100 phrases for uh, a receptionist in any kind of business? Um, and I could churn those out. Uh, with largely the same sort of vocabulary, so a lot of the a lot of the back end work is already done. Um, and it's, so I can see audio books in there. That's a yes. lovely audio series, isn't it? I can, yes. can see a whole empire being built off that. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes, yes. So, so that yes, that, that is one of the one of the goals. Um, it, it'll have to get in line with all the other stuff I'm doing, but but yes. Um, in fact, we're we're going to the next one is going to be a hundred phrases for touring the UK. So, uh, wow! Yeah, great ideas. See, they, they, they're great ideas. Yeah, and you know, it only takes only takes one to take off, and then you've got then your back catalogue. That's my that's my hope, you know. So, if I did a range of medical uh, expressions, expressions for medical situations, great, you know, you know. So, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Well, as I say, it's a very eclectic mix of, of books. Now, so you started with this sensation of a book, the, the, yeah. the book for charity, uh, and you've got all sorts of projects going. If I, if I, you've alluded to a sort of 10-year, you're happy to wait 10 years. So what what is it that's going to make you, besides this, this wonderful uh, success you've already had with the charity book, which is a wonderful, wonderful life experience mm. uh, anyway, whatever happens, what, mm. what is your aspiration as a writer? What's going to make you happy and say, you know, I'm good to go now. I'm, 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 I'm happy with this. Wow. I don't know. It probably keeps changing, doesn't it? But um, right now, my goal is to make uh, something that that will provide a small income. I mean, <laughs> you know, if if I had like a you know the equivalent of five hundred quid coming in every every month, that that would be a, an enormous victory to me. And I'm 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 willing to wait, you know, for that to happen. Uh, artistically, I want to write a great novel, you know. Um, so that 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 keeps me going. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so you know, it, it, it's the journey, though, and that's that's the important thing. I think is is uh, is what you learn as you go along, and then if you don't make your your your, your enormous ridiculous goal, it doesn't matter because you look back and you think, my goodness, look look where I've been, and look where I've come to, and look at all the crazy things I've done in the meantime. How marvelous! Sometimes you look at somebody's uh, uh, bibliography after they've after they've died, and you think, "Oh, they only wrote five books or six books. I wish they'd written loads." And then you see somebody else, and you think, "And, th- and th- there's like reams and reams of stuff." And I thought, "When you know, when I when my time comes, I want to have written reams and reams of stuff, and I want some of it to be good, and some of it to be. I'm not bothered if some of it isn't very good, but you know, if somebody somewhere gets something out of it, um, I'll be a happy camper." Now, being the expert interviewer that I am, Patrick, I've completely forgotten to ask you so far, how can we find out more about you? Where, we can, where can we find out more about your writings on Japan and all of these projects that we've been discussing today? If anybody's interested, it's uh, patricksheriff.com. And Sheriff is double R, double F. And even if you're not particularly interested in Japan, I don't blame you, um, uh, every month I try to interview an, an author or somebody doing something interesting uh, in Japan, and this this month actually is uh, uh, the Eng- uh, he's an American chap who's, who's the English translator for uh, Keigo Higashino, who wrote um, the Devotion of Suspect X, which is a great crime thriller set in Japan by uh, the Japanese sort of John Grisham. Uh, anyway, so I'm talking to the English translator of that, and I, and I try to interview a writer or somebody doing something of interest. Um, I, I hope to get it interesting to readers, but it's probably more interesting to writers. So, so that's something for everybody. Come to patricksheriff.com, and uh, every month there's, there's a goodie for you. And sign up for my newsletter. That's where I put most of my effort, actually. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in that. Yes, I noticed because you sent me one of your newsletters, loads of information about you on that. It's great. It was saved me doing my research. It was brilliant. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's enough, that's enough uh, selling. <laughs> Uh, we're, this interview is going to be running on Christmas Day, so right. um, I, I need to say to you, seeing as I'm speaking to you in Japan, yes. um, what will you be doing on the day that this uh, particular interview runs? How will you be celebrating Christmas in Japan? Will uh, it involve I'll, Turkey? Uh, I'll be teaching English. Oh, really? Really? I'm well, working on Christmas Day. Uh, Christmas is not a holiday here. They're Buddhists. Oh. Yeah. So um, uh, their big holiday is New Year. So... Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll probably um, 
we can't we can't fit a turkey in our oven. The ovens are very small here. We, <laughs> you know, the Japanese go out to um, Kentucky Fried Chicken and um, do they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there was a brilliant, brilliant marketing campaign by the Kentucky Fried Chicken people in the 1970s, I think, and and since then people associate uh, KFC with with Christmas. We we, we, we shan't be doing that. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, uh, um, but yeah, come New Year we get we get a week off, um, and we'll be uh, we'll be having probably crab's legs. I think that's what the Japanese oh. have. <laughs> Well, it's been enough. fantastic catching up with you. Uh, you know, after you. Uh, hook, uh, meeting on Twitter, great to hear about your uh, writing journey, and also <laughs> thank you so much for your support of the podcast because you're always, you know, retweeting and commenting and things like that. I, and it, I should it, do it more. Helps I keep do it alive. More. Yes, I'm even going to read your um, "Don't uh, Don't Tell Meg" book. I've, I've started it. I was hoping to get it finished before this interview, but I, I didn't manage it. Well, so you could ask for a refund? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I got it free, you cheeky, cheeky stuff. Oh, did you? All right. You're not getting a refund on a free one. You can read the blasted thing and be happy with it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right, yes. Well, Merry Christmas to you and to, uh, and to all the listeners. And to you too. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.